the Simon Filer Podcast, giving authors a platform. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Dr. Amanda Nixon is joining me on my podcast. Dr. Nixon recorded her first book, Living by Faith, here with me. And now I've just had the pleasure of being the first to hear her brand new audio book, The Resilient Leader, How to Beat Being Overwhelmed and Burnout for Sustainable Leadership. Welcome to the Simon Filer podcast, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful that you're here. So how did narrating this time round compare to the first book? I think I was much more comfortable this time because I had a bit more of an idea what to expect. Yeah. Yeah, you sounded a bit more comfortable. You're a bit like a rock star today, second day (laughs) in, like I know what I'm doing. I even had to say to Amanda, like, you've just read four whole minutes without a mistake. (laughs) Outstanding reader. Thank you. You would have got an A plus at school, no (laughs) doubt, for reading out loud, yeah? Not back then, no. (laughs) All right. Well, you've come so far particularly since your hiking accident, which I learned all about, obviously, in Living by Faith, which I highly recommend having a listen to because that's one thing I recall about listening to Living by Faith is that my skin was crawling off me the whole time, the goosebumps, just your interactions with God and just spirit. Yeah, that's an amazing book. But The Resilient Leader is also a fabulous book. You kickstart the book with um, winning the burnout battle and you do mention that you've suffered fatigue and burnout Yes, in four major ways, I think you said. Yep. But considering this and the title of your book, um, what was the catalyst for deciding I'm going to write this book? I think I'd just seen one more person who was in a state of burnout and I'm at the stage of thinking enough is enough and I would rather help people prevent and not go through burnout and I think we need to get better at doing that for leaders. I suppose my area that I was particularly looking at was for leaders in churches and Christian workers such as chaplains but also human service workers and social workers because that's been my profession for years. And just seeing the toll it takes on people if they don't have the necessary supports and self-care in place, we need to do it better. Yeah, definitely, and globally in every particular field, really. And it's good that it's coming more to light, self well, self-care in particular, with meditation and those sort of things coming to to pass but you do go into depth in the resilient leader about sustainability on five different levels which I thought was really unique and yeah really insightful given that usually you think I just need to have a break but you break it down into those five different levels physical emotional psychological social and spiritual how did you come to the understanding that sustainability isn't just like all lumped in one thing and you can actually break it down to these five different levels I suppose through my work as a social worker and looking at some of the literature that talks about different ways we can look after ourselves, and there's other authors that have written about different aspects of ourselves. So the physical, emotional and psychological is often commonly referred to, but I'd found in, a, in one source it also talked about social and spiritual and of course that really resonated with me. I think in the church environment often there's an emphasis on the spiritual all the time and that if you're spiritually healthy everything else should fall into place and I think 
that's not being very smart because we're human and we're quite complex. And yes, the spiritual side of us is very important, but there's other aspects of the human person that need um, a lot of care and attention and we can overlook them. Well, that's very interesting to me, particularly the social aspect because my sociability is minimal. Obviously, doing this job, I'm flat out working on my own. I've only Mm -hmm. got my three kids around me. So, yeah, you talking about having a social aspect meant a lot to me and I thought I should really get out there and start being social. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're created as social beings and that meeting with other people is important to our resilience because other people can build us up. I suppose it's being smart or being thoughtful about who you connect with. You don't want to connect with people that you're going to have arguments with all the time. You want to have some people that I say are from the same tribe or on the same team. There might be still people that have different views to you and you can have a healthy discussion, but you want the people that are going to build you up. So whether that's close friends or people you know and trust that you already have a relationship with. But I've found over time I also want to meet new people and be challenged in my thinking and have new ideas. And that's been a pleasure this year, having met some new people, starting some new activities. Mm. Have you always been social where you get out and do different things and meet different people or is that a new thing? I think you go through seasons. So at, at sometimes I've been quite the opposite, a bit of a hermit when I've been in a state of to protect myself or if I'm feeling a bit exhausted and tired, that's when I might retreat socially. But at the same time, I know I need that connection because that's what builds me up. Yeah. So it's getting the balance and the right sort of people around you. Yeah, you do right. I like that the way you wrote it in there, basically saying, you know, you realise that you need to have some self-care and that's when you decide I don't want to see people, but that's exactly when you should start seeing people, especially people that you know well that can boost your boost your confidence. Um, and that's what the Resilient Leader is all about, is boosting people's confidence, particularly towards the end there. You dedicated a whole chapter because you haven't always been so good at taking um, compliments. <laughs> yes, certainly um, a number of years ago, I would be feel really uncomfortable if someone tried to give me a compliment and I'd usually either brush it off saying it was wrong, flat out denying it or you know, deflect it in some way. But I've realised actually it's someone trying to encourage you and now I accept that gratefully and will accept a compliment or praise because that helps build me up and know that you must be doing okay and doing thing the thing you are trying to do well. And I think it's important that I, a leader can model accepting a compliment graciously so that they're modelling to the people around them. It's good to give and receive feedback that's positive rather than just zeroing in on someone when they've missed something or done something wrong. Yeah. We all need more positive feedback. I think we're going towards that in a new way, really, aren't we? Because in the olden days, they didn't really compliment each other in such a big way, but now we realise, hey, we need this. We definitely need (laughs) encouragement and positive feedback. And I think a lot of people can be beavering away, doing lots of work in the background and feeling that no one notices them or values them and I think that's a shame. Well I think it's a comprehensive read about that basically and teaching young emerging leaders the right way to do things to in so many different aspects like if you need a break have a break you know if you need to talk to someone talk to someone don't be shy and try and muddle along there on your own. 
Yes, I think for too long there's been an expectation on emerging leaders that they can do absolutely everything, juggling young families, study, full-time work, part-time ministry, part-time serving, voluntary capacities, and we're not superhuman, we're humans, and we actually need time to rest and time to rejuvenate and time off. And I've been concerned with a number of people who are, I could say, workaholics or certainly indicate that they're doing very long hours and that can be an example to others that then sets them on that path as well. Mm. And I think it would be better if emerging leaders from early days learnt a better work-life balance and don't feel guilty having days off or some time off and a holiday because we all need to be refreshed and to be able to last the distance. And it doesn't stop you from making money if you take a break from work or whatever. It actually rejuvenates you so that you're back for round two, basically, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Come back fresher. Um, Obviously, leadership qualities are shining through, particularly with you taking your time to write it, um, along with your managing your daily activities. Um, And everything else you do, you're a public speaker, you're a social worker. What is your advice to people who want to spend time doing hobbies and, you know, having a little bit of their own input into their own creativity that are snowed under basically with everything else? I think it's a matter of making, deciding what's a priority because we make time for the things that are important. And if we keep putting ourselves last we can end up sick, stressed, burnt out. But if we actually make time for ourselves to look after ourselves, a priority, you can make it happen. So for me, it's actually blocking out time in my diary or planner because it's important for me to have time to do that exercise or to meet with a friend for coffee. It's not just meeting a friend for coffee. It's actually building me up, building my resilience because I'm connecting with that trusted friend that I can share that concern with. Mm. Um, So it's actually deciding it's important. And until I suppose maybe it's because I've had some experiences of burnout and being very close to burnout, until you can recognise it's actually really important to look after yourself for the long term, that's when you decide, actually, I'm going to make this happen. And to make it happen, that means I block out time, I yeah, prioritise it. So what was the catalyst again then when you decided that I'm close to burnout? Did you recognise it yourself or? Um, Yes, I did. So I was in a very demanding professional job. I was also studying part-time a PhD and I was juggling three kids and lots of church responsibilities and voluntary work in that capacity. I'm exhausted just listening. (laughs) (laughs) And... You do it because I think um, maybe it's me, but I think a lot of people, there's always more need and there's always more to do. And there's also lots of good things you can be doing, but it's working out actually what's the right thing for me to be doing right now. If I say yes to everything, I'm actually no good because I haven't got the time to fulfill the the responsibilities of those things I've said yes to. So I just had to take an audit, I suppose, of all the things I was doing and realised it wasn't sustainable. And that's when I planned to actually leave my permanent position and decided to do my own business, which would be part-time and a lot less money, but it's a lot less stress. And I didn't just, you know, resign the next day or something. I planned it over an 18-month period, but I was really looking at, 
is this where I want to be? Is this the best place for me at this time? And I think I was in the right place for a season, but then we change over time and it might be time to step into something different. Yeah. Well, it certainly seems to have paid off. You're pretty relaxed. You've written a book. How did coming um, writing the book come about? Did you do that? You mentioned COVID quite some time, so you wrote it during COVID? I did, actually, towards the end of COVID. I think I had seen one more person or knew of one more person who'd burnt out and left their role. And I just thought, enough is enough. Like, I want to put more resources into the prevention of burnout Mm. because I've seen good people that have poured their heart and their work into helping others and then they're just exhausted and burnt out and can't go on. And it shouldn't be like that. We need to get better at... If we're working with people, people can give you amazing job satisfaction and you can feel fantastic, but it can also be exhausting and draining. And so it's getting that balance. And so I just thought I would much rather be putting more into the prevention, early intervention, education with some tools for how to live, develop your resilient skills so you can have a sustainable life in leadership than... I've also worked picking up the pieces afterwards of the people when they've burnt out, when they're overwhelmed. I do that in my supervision and in my social work work, and I will still do that, but I would much rather prevent more of that happening yeah. to other people. Well, you open up the book saying prevention's better than like the cure yeah. because yeah. after you burn out, you don't want to generally go back to what you love. In the you know, yeah, you love that thing and now you don't. That's exactly <laughs> so right. Don't do that. So I highly recommend checking it out. Um, there's a lot of religious talk there. Obviously, you're guided by God and Jesus Christ, and that really brought. I'm a Catholic, so that brought it to home to me. And particularly talking about, you know, what is sin? Sin is forgetting that you're close to God. Separation from God. When that we're is. separated from God. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Fantastic. I needed to hear that at the moment. But what was I going to say? Um, how did you find find Jesus and God? Um, so when I was a child, I was encouraged, as many of us were, to go to Sunday school. And I went with my mother and grandmother, largely. And then at a teenage years, I went to a youth group with the church. And I noticed some of the leaders just seemed to have this peace and purpose. And I thought, wow, there's something different about them. What is it I want to know? Mm. So I asked them and they told me about their personal relationship with Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. And I thought, okay, how do I do that? (laughs) So that's when I realised I needed to ask God for forgiveness for my sin, which is having ignored God in my life. And I asked Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour of my life and to follow him and and try to live like him with my example ever since. And I've had a wonderful life with my Christian faith at the core of who I am. You know, that's been strong since day one. That's so wonderful. And, And you can really feel that you're at peace and you know where you're at. So now we're here, you've got your business, you're doing amazing. You've obviously got time to write, so you are taking on board everything that you've written you know you don't want to burn out again yes and you're also doing um you're a teacher you obviously teach in your work profession social working but you're also a public speaker is that a new thing or you've been doing that for a little while I've been doing that for a little while mostly in relation to my 
recent books, so the book Living by Faith and this book The Resilient Leader. So I love the opportunity to encourage other people in their faith and also do workshops or programs that are suited to the people that contact me. Do you enjoy public speaking? I love it. Yeah? Yes. Tell us a bit what happens when you're doing your public speaking. Is it like an open forum or uh, which different topics are you talking about? I've speak on a few different areas, particularly when it's a Christian group that's invited me, such as a church group. I might be able to give examples of coming through difficult seasons in life and that even when we doubt ourselves, and I've had certainly some challenges in the past, I've been able to overcome them. And so I'm, I'm happy to share some of my personal stories, hope, hoping that that will encourage others that might be going through a tough season. Recently, I've been encouraging women to think about thriving with purpose and I've run a workshop where we discuss what are our values what are our strengths and then are these aligned with where we're going in life and so what's your vision for the future whether that's around your career your family your health um, finances travel could be anything or any combination of those and we actually create vision boards so to have pictures and inspirational verses or sayings that encourage you this is what I've decided I want to do I'm heading heading in this direction yeah um and I've had some very positive feedback about that one recently oh isn't that wonderful and you're enjoying life loving life yep (laughs) yeah you look really happy and you just get a really good vibe from you so where can people find out more about you obviously you've got you're wearing many hats still but obviously you've got that in under control not to burnout level but yeah you're remarkable thank you Uh, I don't know how you sleep with all of what you're doing but (laughs) one day at a time that's all we can do that's right um so there is more information on my website amandanixon.com.au and People can contact me by email also, so that would be amanda at amandanixon.com.au. Yeah, and your book, obviously, you can get the – can you get your books from your website? Yes, you can purchase my books through my website. That's probably the cheapest option. They're also available at numerous bookstores such as Coorong Books, Amazon – a lot of those major... All the regulars. Yes. And your audio book now, narrated by yourself, that's going to be hopefully out within the next month or so. Wonderful. I've also got a way that you can um, people can buy that from your website, so maybe we can have a chat about that. Yeah. So people can go directly to your website. Right. Well, thank you for working with me. I've really appreciated the chat also in my podcast, Amanda. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Simone Filer Podcast. What's your story? Contact someone for a chat at brisbaneaudiobookproduction.com. Listener.